Welcome to the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Show. Here you will find a variety of podcasts from authors, bloggers, and speakers ready to encourage you on your daily journey. I can't wait to get started. And now let's listen to today's show. This podcast is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Join me, Katie Glennon, on the Literary Cafe podcast, where I share helpful tips and ideas to teach language arts, literature, and writing. My hope is for you to be able to walk away excited to try some new ideas in your own homeschool. Please visit me on my website, literarycafepodcast.com, for these ideas and resources to help you enjoy your homeschool journey. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Literary Cafe Podcast. I'm Katie Glennon, your host, and I'm so glad you decided to join me today to listen to our next podcast, this time about encouraging writers who hate to write. We had a previous podcast about ways to motivate readers who hate to read, so I encourage you to subscribe, download, and be sure to share with others. You can look back at our previous episodes to really get a full grasp of the whole reading and writing thing and how they work together and how to encourage your learners to learn to appreciate reading and also writing and how it will become more easily for them. The reading really does have an effect on their writing. Now, when I say hate to write, I'm not talking about handwriting. I'm talking about the idea of thinking of putting ideas in words on paper. And before I share some ideas in helping your child overcome this feeling of dread, and I know we've probably had at least one learner who it was a struggle to get them to put things down on paper, Let's just talk for a minute about some reasons why they may be having these feelings and make sure that there are no challenges in their way. So for example, let's make sure that there are no fine motor skill challenges with their writing, such as maybe something like dysgraphia. It may be painful for your learner to write and hold that pencil and write, or even difficult for them to even hold it and grasp the pencil correctly. So if you notice that they're in pain when they're holding the pencil and trying to write something on paper, or they really are having major difficulties in even learning how to grasp the pencil, you would want to maybe look into finding some kind of an an OT uh, specialist where they can diagnose some sort of learning challenge. Um, See if they can type out their ideas easily on the computer. And... If they can do that and the words just come right out of their heads onto the computer screen and they can type, it might be a physical thing with using the pencil. Or if it's trying to get their thoughts together and organize their thoughts and they can't even get words to put on the computer onto a blank screen on the computer, then maybe there's some sort of language or language processing issues going on. Maybe they're having some learning challenges with language skills, maybe even dyslexia, or as I said, processing issues. If we see our children really struggling with organizing their thoughts and expressing them in an organized manner, and even just repeating back to you 
a, like a list of three items or something you just said to them, we need to investigate some language processing issues that are going on before we try to force them to write things down on paper. So if they can't express them in an organized manner, let's look into those kinds of challenges because it may be not just a lack of motivation or just like dislike for the activity. One of my sons did show signs of dysgraphia as well as dyslexia, and I ended up using the Brain Integration Therapy Program from dianecraft.org alongside the methods, ideas, and tips that I'm about to share with you. And because he did show signs of language issues, and I already know he had speech therapy issues, so we overcame those alongside of these techniques that I'm about to share with you. So let's take a look at these techniques. After many years in teaching all kinds of learners in the classroom, online, tutoring, my own guys, co-op classes, I discovered what has worked with all kinds of learners through a long process of trial and error and trying out all different kinds of programs out there. And if you want to see some kind of a curriculum junkie <laughs> who collected all kinds of programs, that's me. And I went through all these different writing programs and I finally came up with a technique that I used with my kids as well as my students. As I said, I did have one student who had language challenges, but I also had a student who, where language came very easily. So I thought teaching him to write different forms of writing and essays would be a snap, especially since I was a teacher and an English one. So I was very surprised and perplexed when we tried different kinds of structured and formula-like programs that are out there, relaxed methods and programs that are out there, and we just did not get the results we should be getting, as well as there was no enjoyment in the writing process. Then came along my other son, where we had some learning issues. Along with that, we went ahead and described, and we used the program I'm about to describe with you. And I did it with both my learners, so I wasn't using two different writing kinds of programs together at the same time. I found out that even though they were completely different learners with different skills, these ideas that I'm about to share with you worked well for both. They are now graduate and undergraduate students in college, and they are getting A's on all their papers, so I know that these ideas work. I've also used these ideas in high school co-op classes as well as tutoring and online classes with much success and improvement in those students, and I've even had students come back from their college classes and tell me that their writing really went well in those classes based on what they learned in my classes. So I'm hoping you will find the same success as well if you use these techniques with your children. Now, reading aloud together from a young age and having a child read alone or listen to books on audio on a daily basis in a routine is very important to de help develop good writing skills. It also expands vocabulary and helps your child recognize and integrate more developed and varied sentence structure, as well as organization of thoughts and their processing abilities. 
If you listen to my podcast about encouraging reluctant readers and look at the show notes on that page, you'll see ways to develop your child's language skills and you'll see a direct correlation with how reading can affect your child's writing ability and really benefit and help your child so that writing comes more easily. So make sure you look for that podcast, My Ultimate Guide for Encouraging Reluctant Readers. Now first, let's talk about your children at a young age. We're talking preschool, kindergarten, and you can have your child draw a picture on a piece of paper at the top, half of the paper, with a paintbrush, maybe finger paints, crayons, markers, pencils, it doesn't matter. And then underneath that picture, have them tell you what's happening in that picture in one or two sentences. While they're telling you the story, you go ahead and write down what they tell you in a sentence or two about the picture. And then after you've written it down, point out each word as you read them back to the student and let them know that they just told you a story with those words and they wrote their own story just now. They'll feel a sense of accomplishment and pride that they're a good storyteller and that they've now been published on paper. Keep up that routine during those years. Now from that kind of routine, as they leave their toddler and preschool years and you move into early elementary and first grade, you want to move into oral narration. And you've probably heard this in reference to Charlotte Mason. I've used these methods and ideas. Really, I don't follow them to a T or the rules of the methods. I just take the ideas and I use them in a practical application that I found works with my guys as well as my students. So you might want to try not to worry so much about details of the methods and the rules and use them in a more relaxed way to help draw out your natural storyteller. And this is what we did. We started out by reading a short, simple story or a chapter from a history book that was written in a sequential narrative story form, such as maybe Story of the World. And then when I finished reading, I had my children practice retelling the story or that chapter back to me and what they remembered. That's what I encourage you to get into the habit of doing. And I would pick a subject and for that subject, go ahead and read them short chapters in some sort of sequential order. Language, literature, arts, or history are best for this because it's more of a narrative style with sequential events. And if you start with simple stories that happen in this sequential way, um, as a reading time or even free time, or as I said, history, and it's important to pick the sequential format, it's going to get easier for them to remember and then retell something back to you in that sequential order. And as you keep this practice up on a daily basis or maybe every other day in your routine, your children will become better at retelling what you've read to them and with time and practice telling you not only what they read, what you just read to them, but also adding more and more detail. They're going to remember more just from listening and getting the idea that they need to listen for those details and the order in which they hear them. Now this may seem like a simple exercise, but the benefits from this are huge. And I've seen this really work and make an impact. First, the child is developing 
the ability to recall information. They're also practicing attention to detail, and that's extremely important, and using language processing and listening skills. And then they're organizing, and again, this is another big one, they're organizing thoughts in their brains. They're ordering the events that happen in the story, they're thinking about the details, they're shifting and sorting out what's important and what important points to include in that retelling back to you and which ones are not that important and they should leave them out and not include them in their retelling back to you in their oral narration. And that's another key thing, trying to shift through what's important and what's not. They're also deciding what words to use and maybe even including the vocabulary that they just heard that you read aloud from the story. And they'll be using that vocabulary in its proper context. And then they'll be taking that and making that vocabulary their own. Because if they're able to use it in the proper context in retelling the story to you, they are now more familiar with that vocabulary and have a deeper understanding of what it means. And they'll be able to use it in context in another form, much better than vocabulary workbooks. And they're verbally expressing their thoughts in an orderly manner. So there's a lot going on there. And these are all very important steps that occur in our brains, their brains, before we even start to retell something back to someone or to even write our thoughts down on paper. These are all part of what would be like a pre-writing process that a lot of writing programs out there do not include. They start with writing thoughts down on paper right away. This is before the child has even gotten into the habit or even trained on being able to organize their thoughts in their own brains before they start writing. And it's a necessary skill to have. So a lot of people don't think about it or spend time working on it. And therefore, it's very difficult for a child to start writing something on paper if they don't even go through this pre-writing process. It's a great practice for speaking, and it's a necessary practice to have in order to attempt to write anything. Once your child's able to recall and retell short written pieces with details, now it's time to actually start the practice of writing. Now, I started this when my guys were in second grade after we had already practiced the whole oral narration kind of thing. And we used notebooking pages that I found online or I made, as well as pieces of paper with blank squares at the top of the page with lines underneath. And I found pads of those kinds of papers in different stores and homeschool conventions. So we would either read a short story together or a short chapter from a history book, like the story of the world or other books where the history is told in a narrative manner. And they loved these history chapters because of the kings, the soldiers, the weapons, the inventions, and the battles. And I've even developed some of these types of notebooking pages at katieshomeschoolcottage.com in ABC book formats for different subjects. And I have different subject topics available and you can see samples of the ABC book pages in the store. And when we used these notebooking pages to make a book about the Middle Ages, we wrote about a topic for each letter of the alphabet, and we illuminated each page like the monks would have done in a monastery. 
And then that my kids would draw pictures and designs using gel and glitter pens, either coloring the letter of the alphabet or making pictures in the margins of the pages. And when we were done, we made a cover and sewed the pages together using tapestry thread and a tapestry needle to bind our book like they would have done during the Middle Ages. And then at the end of the year, they had not only practiced their writing skills, but also had a notebook about what they had learned in history that year as we put all the notebooking pages in a large notebook together. Now, when they were little, we would start at the top of the page with a drawing, and it would be a picture of an object, a person, or an event that we just read about. And then it would tell me in one sentence about that picture, showing what we just read about. They would repeat that sentence several times to me, and as they wrote, as they after they would repeat the sentence or a word of that sentence or a couple of words of that sentence, they would write down each word one at a time, and then if they had to repeat the sentence again, they'd repeat the sentence again, write down the next word, repeat the sentence, write down the next word, until they had completed the sentence in writing on their page. After this routine, they would be able to usually recall the entire sentence that they told me aloud and be able to write it a few words at a time, and then eventually they'd be able to write the whole sentence down without repeating the sentence over and over again. It became easier for them to do this with one sentence, and then they would add another sentence and eventually another one, and eventually they were writing whole paragraphs by the end of the year. I was stunned by how effective this method was, and also by their progress. Now, you may be thinking, what about creative writing and writing their own made-up stories? Some kids have no problems with making up stories with colorful characters and descriptions and even writing them down, but most can't write them down, even if they are great at telling them. We expect these kids to be able to write these ideas down automatically on paper before we've even gone through the process of developing these pre-writing skills and thinking about what to write before we write about it. And they end up with this deer cotton headlights look when they're looking at a blank piece of paper. They may have all these stories in mind, but as soon as we expect them to write them down without teaching them how to begin and how to write it down, that's when they get stuck. But if your child uses the topic that you've given them first by this kind of reading activity, we're allowing them to focus on just the writing process, using the energy in their brain to just totally focus on that one thing of sorting out the ideas and what order do they want to write them in without the stress of also expecting them to create the content at the same time with different characters and what are those characters going to do and what they look like and a whole sequential story. Have you ever seen that deer cotton headlights look with your child holding a pencil over a blank piece of paper? That's because they're stuck with where and how to begin. This process that I'm describing helps your child develop the habit of knowing where and how to start. We start already having the content and they just have to practice putting that down in their own words on paper. Eventually, if you or they want to write something creatively, you can do that after they get over this dread of writing. 
Creative writing has its definite benefits, but it's more challenging and it is more complex. So we need to get used to just writing down ideas on paper and then creating something from scratch and writing that down. Expository or nonfiction writing and this kind of narrative writing in a sequential order that we're talking about is a very valuable and practical skill that's necessary for high school credit and college preparation if that's where your child's headed, practical and job or career applications, and being able to organize thoughts and being able to express themselves. It's very important for them to be able to reword and use their own words when talking about information that they've read or listened to, especially when writing a research paper as they get older in high school and college to avoid plagiarism. Now, as your child gets more practice and they get older, they can add more sentences underneath the picture and eventually write sentences and paragraphs about the topic without having to recite aloud each sentence to you before they write. Like I said, mine would soon write paragraphs and then I would have them go ahead and write about the topic first, then they could draw the picture as a reward when they were done because I knew they were kind of already over that hump of approaching a blank piece of paper. As they approached middle and high school, we tried different kinds of writing and formatting papers into paragraphs. If you have a child at this stage, you may want to read a very short narrative story with the sequence events and have your child sit and retell the story to you and then have them write down each sentence as they say it so that they have an entire paper instead of just one paragraph. I've had some students even entering ninth grade when we do this exercise to get them to start using this pre-writing process to get them in the habit of formulating their sentences in their minds before trying to write them down because they found it very difficult to write down more than just one short paragraph. This is where a story like the, sh the this is where a story like the elves and the shoemaker comes in. Where there's a sequence of events that we review together and we even included the study of a, the plot and a plot map and then they would retell and then write the story in their own words so they would end up with a full page of um, a retelling of the elves and the shoemaker. This got them in the habit of just writing down their thoughts and then write it, thinking of their thoughts and then write, writing them down in the order that they were thinking them. Some students rely on very structured programs to lead them through the steps that I've been discussing. And as soon as you expect them to write about a new topic of their own choosing, like an informative five paragraph essay that they can sit and talk to you about forever <laughs> because they know the topic inside and out. They can't do it because they become so used to using a structured program that gives them the content to write about. And all they do is rewrite the paper using words from that content and following a guide or notes from that program. These te the technique that I'm talking about trains the child to come up with their own words without looking at the content. And it forces them to take their own natural voice where they would be retelling and sharing with you the narrative that you read to them 
or sharing the information that they know about in their own words verbally, but then putting them down on paper one step at a time as if they were talking to you. This is a more natural approach in taking their speaking style and letting them express and put themselves down on paper instead of following the formula. They're finding their own natural voice and being comfortable with it. People and children naturally talk and tell a story a lot more easily than when they're writing it down. All of a sudden, when we're writing things down, we start using formal words and sentences and we get all tense and stressed out. Now, after my students felt comfortable putting their thoughts on paper, then we would be begin editing and revising their words as the final process. We'd follow a checklist of what to look for, but also adding certain types of words and phrases so that we ended up with adding detail to their sentences and sentence variety in the structure. But we did not do this until they felt comfortable and able to write a paragraph or paragraphs on the paper because we don't want to start making them hesitant to put things on paper only to have them feel like they're being critiqued and corrected and criticized. Otherwise, they're going to be editing themselves before they even have given themselves a chance to write ideas down. They'll be editing in their brain, and that's when the writing stops. We always talk about, with my students and also my guys, we talk about what it's like to be a professional writer and how they write everything down first, and then they go back and they clean it up, and they go through an editing process several times. And so do we when we write. So no writing is finished or perfect until after everyone goes through the writing process, even professional writers. So once your child can write paragraphs, retelling information they have heard you read, it's now time in the upper and middle high school grades to move on to other forms of writing, like five-paragraph informative essays, persuasive essays, research papers, compare and contrast essays, applications for college that are more in a narrative essay form. And I am in the process of developing self-paced recorded workshops with notes and handouts to help parents and students in these skills and be able to be able to write these essays more effectively. So please visit katieshomeschoolcottage.com um, in the near future to see what I've got planned and what I have available. To back up to the younger ages just for a minute, there are two approaches that you can take in practicing writing skills, and we went back and forth between the two. And we'll do one approach and then take a break from that approach and do the other approach and then take a break from that, and we would go back and forth. So the first one is to pick one subject to actually use to practice your writing. And for that, as I, for us, as I said, we used history usually. And we used notebooking pages and drawing pictures about what we read about with history and writing about what we were learning. Now, the other approach is to work writing in in small doses, naturally throughout the day and in practical ways. For instance, as I said, my younger one, with the he was the reluctant writer, and I would have him help me write the grocery list. And he loved it, and he felt very important. And of course, being the homeschool mom, they would come with me grocery shopping, and my younger one would have the list, and he'd be the one responsible for writing the list before we left. And I didn't usually give him the whole list because 
that would be too much, but he would write a number of things that they would want on the shopping list. And then he would help me read the list and check off the items as we got them. And this was a very important skill for him and also really instilled him with confidence. And he didn't mind writing the grocery list. We also routinely wrote thank you cards for birthdays and Christmas gifts, and then other cards to grandparents, which again, that would be maybe one sentence at the start, maybe two sentences, and then maybe three sentences. But these were little doses and they had meaning. We drew pictures and wrote captions underneath them. And then we also drew pictures and then they would write what they saw on nature walks or nature hikes in nature journals that we would put together. So, and I have a very long list of other practical ideas in incorporating writing in small doses into your day as part of your daily routine in my show notes on the show page and, and uh, Ultimate Homeschool Radio Show's Literary Cafe podcast. And you'll definitely want to check that out. So you have that long list. Also, you'll find links to online programs where your child can digitally create a book or a book page with pictures and they can tell the story of what's happening in that picture by typing it onto the page on the computer. Those were really fun because some of those you could store and read on, they could be read back to you online or you could print them out. You'll also find writing prompt websites if you're looking for ideas to get your child practice writing, but you don't want to use the narrative techniques that I've been talking about. If you want to use these writing prompts, though, what would really be best if you were to first have your child create a picture about that writing prompt and then looking at the picture and then they can start writing sentences about what's happening in that picture. I would not recommend starting the reluctant writer off with just writing immediately from the prompt with the picture. They will relax more and visualize what they're going on with the picture and then get them thinking and starting at the pre-writing practice of what's happening in the picture or the story and organize those thoughts in their heads before they begin writing sentences about what's going on in that picture. So I hope that you found this technique and that you will find this technique helpful and effective with your writers as much as I have over the years. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss the next podcast about what kinds of writing you need to include in the high school years to be able to assign credit and prepare your student for college if that's their goal. And thanks again for listening. And remember to share any of these ideas and tips that you found successful in writing in the comments section on this page, as well as any ideas of your own, because I would love to hear from you. Remember to share this podcast with others so that they can help their struggling writers too. Until next time, enjoy your homeschool journey. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Be sure to visit me at literarycafepodcast.com for this podcast and others, and at katieshomeschoolcottage.com for even more ideas and resources for you to use in your homeschool journey.
This podcast is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or any of your favorite podcast apps. Look for the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Show to keep up to date with all our wonderful podcasts. For a special subscriber printable pack, as well as all our timely freebies, join our email list on theultimatehomeschoolradionetwork.com.